I'm really excited to today to talk to Crisia Campos Spivey. You're here joining us from an organization that's all about school choice week. And I just want to hear your story and why you're interested in this topic. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me first. Um, I'm originally from El Salvador. I've been in the U.S. for almost 13 years, and this is going to be my fifth National School Choice Week, so it's very exciting. And the first time we're actually having a big, big effort with Spanish-speaking community. I originally got involved with School Choice and School Choice Week because it just was a really good opportunity for me as I am a mother myself. I have exercised school choice. It's very interesting for me because I have twin boys. And as a mother, I try to give them the same, exactly the same. I wanted to make sure neither one of them felt like I loved him more than the sure. other or anything <laughs> like that. And it's just funny to see that under the same environment, under the same circumstances, they are very different children. And exactly what we always say, what fits one child might not fit the uh, another one. And I've seen that firsthand with my children. How so old are we, your sons? They are 12. They're 12 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, they're very fun. Um, and as a parent myself, you know, we all, every parent wants what's best for their child. And we know our children, we know their challenges, we know their passions, we know their what they're good at. And um, it's very interesting and important for me that especially Hispanic parents that sometimes we, I, I know I had that experience myself, that we don't necessarily know exactly how things work in the education system and sometimes parents. Um, language can be a barrier. So sure. very, very excited to be doing this with National School Choice Awareness Foundation, having this new project, Opciones Escolares, that offers a lot of school navigation resources for parents that speak Spanish and they do not lose the opportunity to take advantage of school choice opportunities. So let me just um, see if I can say this correctly. Opciones Escolares. Mm-hmm. And that is for Spanish-speaking parents to also be able to um, access resources around choosing their sc- child's school rather than having them just sent to the one uh, based on their address. Correct. We just like National School Choice Week, we have the same ideology. Uh, we talk about all big, uh, old school choice options available from traditional public, uh, charter public, charter, um, I'm sorry, magnet schools, yeah. online, private, and homeschooling, sure. and now pods. Uh, so we're providing all the information available as we're doing a lot of research and we're putting this out there for parents to know all their options. And with this information, they can have. Um, the certainty and the resources to find the best educational environment for the children. Sure. So what state do you live in? Uh, North Carolina. So North Carolina, what are your options? You have charter schools. We have charter school, we have magnet schools, we have uh, private schools, and we do have a state program for for private school. We have Online, we do have a yeah, couple yeah. of online and homeschooling. What we are lacking in North Carolina is open enrollment. Open enrollment in North Carolina is probably the second worst state right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Missouri's so, not great. <laughs> We're going to work on that this year. But yeah, that yeah, open- is, that's right. That's an important one for parents. And I think that 
North Carolina is very rural, like Missouri. And I think for people, it's hard to understand why you wouldn't be loyal to your local school if you live in a rural area. But, you know, I think it's interesting because survey after survey, and there are some groups that are surveying parents monthly, and there's so many surveys on how parents feel about these various school choice options. And it seems like Hispanic parents often have the strongest positive feelings about school choice families. I mean, they actually are above the full group of parents. You see Hispanic parents. It's very, very important that they are able to look at several options and make a choice. Why do you think that is so important, so important for Hispanic families? Well, we don't have complete and ultimate data on the reason why uh, Hispanic parents seem to be looking and exercising school choice. But as a Hispanic mother myself and a lot of the research we've been doing when we started this project, and we've seen that almost in every state, Hispanic students are falling um, below any other group. So my my guess is that if parents are aware that their children are struggling in school, uh, they will be looking for school choice options for them. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, truly any parents who have options around where they can move, have options around where they can send their children to school, even if it's even if it's like, well, I'm not going to live over there because the housing is terrible, it's dangerous, and the schools are terrible, I cannot live there. But there are children in those neighborhoods, and they don't have options for where they can live. And oftentimes, well, mostly those are the, the children who get stuck in sort of like the worst schools. And if you don't have a way out, of course, parents know that their children aren't being well served. And of course, parents know that their kids aren't reading on time, or they're graduating from high school and they can't read. So I think that, um, I think that seems to me that Hispanic parents are very proactive in wanting to go out and get, you know, this is like the great equalizer is education, right? This is kind of the American dream is no matter what, you know, you can go out and get as much education as you want. And I think it is something not to be taken lightly by the people who make the laws that this is, you know, parents are standing up and speaking out that they don't want to just be stuck with a terrible school down the street because they can't move. Yeah, absolutely. And as I mentioned before, when we started the project Conoce Tus Opciones Escolares by National School Choice Awareness Foundation, we did a lot of research. We wanted to make sure we were catering the appropriate information that Hispanic parents were looking for. And in order to do this, again, a lot of research went into sure, it. Sure. And we found a couple of very interesting things. Um, for example, one of the things that stuck with me the most was that by 2027, it is expected that a third of the population uh, in the K-12 system will be Hispanic students. Uh, and even more, um, a third of the population by 2030 of the workforce population will be Hispanic. So I believe that in in providing different school choice, diverse school choice for Hispanic students and providing the information that we're providing as a project is not only the right thing to do, but also 
something really important for our country to do to make sure that this yeah. this section of the population is well educated and is well prepared to take on the workforce of of this country as well that's right and like you know already it is the case that i believe k-12 enrollment non-hispanic white students are less than 50 percent right so it used to be 75 80 percent and already that is now down to less than 50 percent if you like if you realize that children are the future, right? Right. It's like those five-year-olds are going to be 25 years old at some point. So we definitely see that coming. We also see drops in enrollment in general because of lower birth rates and those types of things that are changing the way public education looks like in the United States. And I think if uh, if we have this mindset of being stuck in the 1950s, you know, then we are just ignoring all these major trends that are that are easily identified and absolutely are going to change what the landscape looks like going forward. So I, I think that that's that's very true. And what are you seeing? You mentioned quickly pods. Are you seeing among Hispanic families any um trends in to- in terms of the types of schooling environments that they're looking for. Now I know you've got two uh are they identical? You're pre- yeah. you have two twins. Okay, you have twin boys and they might need a different environment for each of them. However, are you seeing any trends in what Hispanic fa- families seem to be looking for when it comes to the education of their children? Yeah, absolutely. We have been very fortunate to um first we had the research that we were gathering from different places. We did some surveying and all of that stuff. But since September that we have launched this project, we have had a one-to-one avenue through an application in our website where parents are talking to us directly. And we have hundreds of parents that have talked to us. So it's very interesting to see the trends that we're seeing, the data that's coming in uh, through our website and through our applications. And what we have seen is one, with the Hispanic population that speaks Spanish, we almost had to take a stand back and go to the basics. Uh, parents were asking us stuff like, I don't even know where my child's supposed to go. I need information of where this, my child needs to go. Or how do I enroll my child to, um, to any school sure, in general? Sure. So we found that the first, the most um, asked question for us is the first time they're going to enroll their children to any school. Kindergarten. Oh, um, yeah. okay. Yeah. To mm-hmm. any school. Uh-huh. Gotcha. And then, exactly. So we wanted to provide the information of to know the basics, but also know that they have options, that before they enroll to uh, to any school, they should be aware of the different type of school there are. And okay. you know, like I mentioned, the traditional, the charter, the magnet, the online, the private, the homeschooling, yeah. and, and even the pods. Uh, pods in general do not come up that much. Mm. Um, I think Hispanic populations right now are still favoring um, traditional public school, but are highly, highly interested on magnet school okay. and a school a school that provides kind of that tailored uh, mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. So I will say first, traditional public, second, uh, magnet, and very close with charter. In private school, we get asked a lot about any program that might be available to make private school more accessible for, sure. for their family. Now, I think sometimes when you, we talked about open enrollment briefly, um, 
open enrollment can be a good solution for families who live in one place and work somewhere else. So if you have to travel for your job, it would be more convenient for you to have your child in a school that's closer to where you work versus closer to where you live. Do you see that at all with the families you're talking to? Actually, I haven't seen anything like that um, at the time, no, but I've seen very high interest on open enrollment telling me, well, the school that I'm in right now, I would prefer going to that particular school. Yeah. And sometimes that's possible. Sometimes that's not possible. I think I like seeing parents that they have a particular school that they have identified because that tells us they have been doing research, yes. knowing their children and doing all of that stuff that we always uh, mm-hmm. try to raise awareness about. But yeah. we do see some of that. And I do think like you, that open enrollment could be beneficial for many, many families. Yeah, I think so. Um, And when you talk to parents about what they're looking for, I mean, I think there's a lot of surveys on, uh, there are some places that have complete open enrollment, like some large districts, New Orleans, 100% open enrollment, Um, Camden, New Jersey, Denver, Colorado, a lot of places where every parent has to go into a common application, put in their top five, and a computer algorithm determines where their kids go. Now, from some of that, we know that parents priorities, I believe, are number one, safety, which makes sense to me, and number two, academics. Is that the type of thing that you're seeing? Or I think there's a sphere that like, if you let parents pick, they're just going to pick where they want their son to play football. I don't see that in the data, but I'm curious to know if you do. No, I think the first thing that we see with Hispanic parents is that they're looking for a challenging academic environment for their children. I think, yeah, uh, yeah that's the number one that parents are looking for a good school like a a challenging school when they say a good school uh, Mm -hmm. that's normally what we see that they mean the second thing that we have found uh, through the survey we did is that safety Uh, parents want a school where they feel they're learning and they're safe yeah and I think that's in through um through the communication we're having with parents one-to-one. The other trends I see is, I guess, culturally is important for a lot of parents that children speak Spanish as well. Uh, children are going to speak English in school. That's that's normal. They're going to they're gonna do that. But a lot of parents want that cultural, you know, added value to, and right. so they're looking for like an immersion, a charter immersion school or mm-hmm. something like that where they their children can have that cultural uh, addition to, to their education. Mm-hmm. And that makes perfect sense to me as well. I mean, I've always been pretty agnostic about why pe- people choose what they choose. Sometimes it's because you walk in the building and the principal looks you in the eye and says, hello, you know what I mean? There can be, or the library looks cozy. There's all kinds of reasons why people might choose or not choose a school. And of course, some states, not North Carolina necessarily, but like Florida, you have all these different options and you can put together sort of a customized, tailored program for your child by pulling from multiple programs. And I do see that um, a lot of parents since the pandemic, and it even came up, are saying, well, I'd like to have my child home maybe one day a week, or maybe two days a week, not every day necessarily, but some sort of a mix of in-person and at home. Do you see that at all in the parents you're talking to? Absolutely. We have seen uh, more than ever, well, like you say, the pandemic. Personally, I have, like you say, I have two kids and I clearly remember the pandemic 
yeah. being right here in my office and having my children right next to me uh, taking remote learning classes. And for the first time ever, I felt like I was in the classroom with them. I felt yeah. even closer to them. I knew what their challenges were more than I ever, ever knew. So um, it has opened the eyes to parents to show us that there is more than one way of learning one yeah. effective way of learning we have gotten in the last in the last month actually i have gotten a lot of questions about online learning and yeah. the idea of you know not every child it will be successful in um in a particular like um in in a school where you have yeah. to go all the time so the idea that parents hispanic parents are having the opportunity to think about it to get information and consider an online school, I think is something that wasn't happening before the pandemic. Uh, through School Choice Week, throughout the years, we get a lot of questions, a lot of uh, direct messages, emails, and phone calls. So we were getting some inquiries from Spanish-speaking parents, and they were very, very low on online. And now we cannot say that there, yeah. there are several inquiries. Yeah, I think it just had a terrible reputation before the pandemic of uh, kids not logging on or they got credit for logging on or walking away and who's doing the work. And there's all these questions and the the uh, test scores for virtual schools were pretty bad, you know, before the pandemic. And then when every district was forced to try to figure it out. Of course, I say this all the time that when you open up industries or sectors like education to choice, People talk a lot about like sort of the demand and what kind of schools people want for, you know, in terms of here's your choices and these parents want this choice or that choice. But not that many folks talk about the supply side, which is when you open up a system like Arizona, now you can go anywhere. You can take your state funding and go anywhere. So what we're going to see is on the supply side, we're going to see schools open, right? We're going to see if parents are talking enough about a three days on, two days at home thing, schools will open for that. If there's money available, that's how markets work, right? And if parents want Spanish immersion or you know, most, you know, um, dual language teachers or whatever it is, schools will be able to respond if money follows the families and they have options, then schools will respond. I believe that we'll get a bunch of schools that won't last very long. You know what I mean? Like we'll have a growth, but the supply side will respond. And I think we saw that in the pandemic with the virtual, which is like, oh, you know, Zoom doesn't work for this. Uh, Google Hangout works okay. So people started fixing and tweaking these things. And now we've got all these products that are much better for virtual schooling than they used to be. Um, so I, I think know, we, even have, we even have pods now that, you know, we weren't hearing before micro and all of these options that, um, you know, even force some state to think about it. Uh, That's right. What are going to be the rules for micro schooling, for pods, and it created a whole new conversation of different system that might work for 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 children. Yeah, I've definitely talked to some parents who started their own schools. I mean, several. They were just like the go getter parents, right? And they're like, we didn't want to be have the school closed. We bought tents. We all went outside. I mean, like they just found a way. And I think I've always said that parents are a formidable formidable group. You know what I mean? I would not cross parents uh if i didn't have to because when it comes to your own children i think most parents will do anything right i'm absolutely. sure you find that as well right absolutely i mean uh the information barrier is something i think in new york parents used to get something that looked like a telephone book to look through for high schools and 
that's a lot. That's daunting. But if you have a couple people sort of like, you don't have to know everything about a television before you buy one, but you might know a friend, you know what I mean? A couple people who process the information for you or like you and your website, which is basically know your school options, right? Yes. Conoce su opciones. Conoce tus opciones. Okay. Got so it. Like, know <laughs> your school options. Um, you know, then that just, you know, the more that we can make it easier for parents to find the thing that they want. I have three kids. I homeschooled one. I mean, they sort of did different paths, you know, even though they're all mine. And so helping parents find what they want. Um, and I also think sometimes that in our school system, like with open enrollment or when charter schools showed up, the traditional public schools felt like offended that that's not what parents picked. And I think we need to move past that too, right? Yeah, we always talk about um, in School Choice Week that we are a big open tent. We believe that if there's not one good school per se, that what one good school might be for one family is not for another family. So it's not public school versus private school, charter school, but you know, there's Sure. It's none of that is truly about children and what they need. And sometimes it's hard to think about that in the macro level. I was just talking to some people from West Virginia where they brought up a, a really good point about that. You know, it can it can be hard, it can be easy to get lost in the policy on the rules and all of this stuff and forget that at the end of the day, all of this is about a child. Yeah. That is looking for inspiration that is not having a good time in school, that is having challenges and is hating to go to school. And it's a shame because this child might lose the spark of learning and curiosity. It is at the end of the day about a child in particular. It, you know, and it's important we, we try to get to that level during school choice week and bring the conversation back to where it belongs, to a family, to a child, yeah, yeah. to school, right. more in the smaller level. That's right, because sometimes the adults in the system get their feelings hurt and it's like, you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, these kids get one shot. And especially the pandemic, you know, that can that's going to have an impact on that entire generation who was in school at that time second and third graders who missed their opportunity to learn to read on time or kids graduating from high school. That was, ter- you know, it, it, the, we had a pandemic in 1918 and those, those kids as a generation never really caught up. And so it is very critical to, um, to get this right now. And I love uh, this guy, Checker Finn wrote something recently, like about, let's make sure we take a chance to take advantage of all the great ideas that came out of the pandemic. Right. Like, I don't know if you would have been as inspired to do the work you're doing if it hadn't been for the pandemic. Like let's, let's build on those successes that came out of that, you know, because I think it's, it opened people's eyes that they might be able to pick a school and that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As I mentioned, I think I got to know my children better (laughs) <laughs> during the pandemic, whether I liked it or not. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Just having them next to you, um, it was it was truly it was a challenge, obviously. We cannot deny that. But as any challenge, it has room for opportunity. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it's so great that you're really um helping Hispanic families come into the process and helping them, you know, help lead them through the process because it's it's so important for the, the second generation really to be able to take full advantage of everything that's that's available to them. So that's great. Great work, Carissa. 
I didn't even say your name right. Caricia. <laughs> and uh, um, I know you've got a busy week or month ahead getting the word out about the work you're doing. Uh, can you just slowly say the name of your website? Yeah, absolutely. If you need more information about school choice options in Spanish, you can visit opcionesescolares.com. Nice. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Good luck with everything. And um, 12-year-old twins, I mean, you you need luck. So, luck. <laughs> I do. They're beginning to be a little bit difficult. But yeah, I mean, they're going to be teenagers. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Take care.